Welcome to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast with your hosts, Richard Hill and Matthew Darlitz. Howdy, Richard. Hello, Matt. Here, here we are. Here we are. We're going to meet and we're going to have the second of our, uh, our little discussions about something that finally arrived in... Look, I've already making notes. Uh, <laughs> You've got the book. And arrived, Look, it's yes. a serious bit of, uh, it's, you know, this could hold the back door open. This is fantastic. I haven't got a copy yet, so I'm very jealous. Um, yeah. And for those that are just listening to the audio, Richard has a, has a copy of our book in his, in his hand, which I'm very jealous hands. about, but uh, yeah. very good. But because uh, it's in America and lots of our friends in America are doing it, we're getting lots of, uh, lots of lovely um, uh, responses, mm-hmm. uh, which is really terrific, you know, um, Great book, love the book, um, reading the book. And in fact, yep. it was really good. Somebody said, uh, uh, can you do a flip chart thing? Can you do a oh. flip chart learning thing? So there you go. We'll, we'll oh, have to think about that. Interesting idea, yeah. So we've yeah. got some ideas. But but we need to get a bit more. So we had our talk a little while ago about uh, the introduction, just sort of mm. introducing people to the to the ideas. And um, now you're thinking you, you've got, you've got uh, half a dozen sort of Mm. Uh, important points that we that, that we want to bring out that you uh, they did it. So how about you take the lead on that, and I'll I'll jump in with you because I think the really really simple and fundamental ideas that our book is bringing forward, but are fundamental ideas that we need to um, engage with as the twenty first century therapist. Yeah, that's right. So I thought you know we've got to lay our foundation here before we. I mean, we've got plenty of time to jump into a whole lot of detail in the future, um, but. Just once again, and we've sort of said this in, in in different contexts, but let's just sort of lay it out very clearly now. And I've I've got five sort of points here, so let me bounce these off you. Okay. So the first one is um, grabbing bits of knowledge, neuroscience, genetics, you know, medicine. It's not much good to you without a broad contextual understanding of the whole person, the person in context, so to speak. Every bit of detail belongs in context. It's it's such an important it's such an important thing, Matt. Uh, the, the this idea of um, uh, I can get snippets uh, mm. and that mm. will do. Now it's sort of I can I can get the give me the the brief version. Let's go back to school. You know when when what we did with the Shakespeare we used to we used to get those little booklets you could get, which was a a sort of a primer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you know so you didn't have to read the thing; you just had to learn the stuff. Now, that worked if all you wanted to do was satisfy, I don't know, some exam board or, or some external thing that didn't matter. But mm. when we're working with clients, it's really important. And I was really uh, 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 aware of this issue in relation to my neuroscience when I started to uh, get mentored by Ernest Rossi mm-hmm. because uh, I would know oh, there was stuff I knew Oh, mm. fantastic. And then there was stuff I just didn't know. And then I started hanging around with Luke Cozzolino and Dan Siegel and things. It was a, yeah. And there were gaps all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I did the brain and mind sciences degree. Because yeah. to fill in the gaps and get the whole story, even though it was a very technical degree, and I kept putting my hand up and saying, so how does that relate to a human being? But, but, but even still... You know, and, and it put together, which is what we've tried to capture in the book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's very tantalising, isn't it? Like, and we get a lot of this from pop psychology, where you know, 
they throw out sort of little bits of very interesting um, bits of information which satisfy a sense of curiosity. Uh, but, uh, you know, often in our work as psychotherapists, those little bits of information are, are rather decontextualized. So they're not, again, they're not within the context, the broader context of the person in front of you, the dynamics of psychotherapy. So, mm. first point. Uh, De, De Bono uh, did a, he was talking, he wrote a book uh, uh, called Simplicity. Yes, I've got that. Uh, mm. y- yeah, and um, and uh, to, to be simple, and it's a fabulous book. I mean, some pages are empty, you know, so, it's, you know, it's really good white, white cover. But he was saying simplicity is not simplistic. They're two mm-hmm. different things. Mm. And simplistic is where you produce only enough uh, information just to satisfy a need. You, you yeah. and in fact, that's where we get silly, silly things where you where you use silly logic. You know, like, like you know, like those deterministic logics. The uh, um, um, uh, everybody in World War Two um, wore pants, so people who wear pants, you know, conduct war. I mean, it's just sort of these strange sort of um, straw man arguments and bits and pieces. Mm. Mm. Whereas getting things simplified, not re- not reduced, not mm-hmm. made simplistic, but mm. simplified so that they can be um, understanding. So meaning language that is, that is accessible, meaning um, uh, shorter sentences, meaning maybe using bullet points instead of writing complicated areas, meaning maybe using images and diagrams. This type of process and approach, and particularly what you've just saying, here's the whole being. Let's start with that, and now we'll start looking at the other elements. Yeah, yeah. So point number two, any one bit of information is almost never the key or the silver bullet to an issue. Don't get too excited about any single revelation about one part of biology or psychology. It's just a piece of the picture. And in five years' time, there's a 50-50 chance that it still may be true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lou Cozzolino used to say that in his speeches. He said, uh, you know, I've been doing the neuroscience for uh, for 20 or 30 years. And, yeah. And uh, um, um, pretty much I remember that after about 10 or 15 years, 50% of it was wrong. And <laughs> so he said, well, now I'm speaking now. I don't know uh, which 50% is going to be wrong, although I think we're getting more accurate as we go, as we go yeah. along. We're learning. But it's... But it's interesting, this, this, this silver bullet, this mm. give me the one thing. Now, this is, this is really this um, uh, linear thinking, isn't it? It is. It is. You know, we want to know the, yeah, like you said, the, the give me the dot points of, you know, how to do X, Y, and Z just so that we can, you know, fix a, a particular psychopathology or, or, or circumstance. And things just don't work that way. Well, they don't they don't work in an understand understandable way. It, it's a it's a bit like um, oh, I suppose something to do with um, uh, the plumbing, mm. you know. And uh, somebody says, "Well, you know, just put a spanner on it and turn it half a notch," and you go, "Oh, great, that's the answer." Now, yeah. of course, that's not the, that's just the that's just the dumb guy's method. Because the guy who was explaining it to me, this is something I did the other day, the guy who was explaining it to me 
He didn't go to all the, the, the trouble. I then went and Googled it and found out. I said, oh, it's to do with the screws. It's to do with the stuff. It's to do with mm-hmm. um, uh, the, there's, there's water does something. It, it, it hammers, uh, which can dislodge things and move things around, causing leaks, and that leak can then do this, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there was a whole complexity of stuff mm-hmm. and complexity of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it looked terrific. I got a spanner, fixed it, and uh, I'm the hero. But I don't know. I, I, that doing the spanner didn't tell me anything about how to not have it happen again. No, and without that, without that background knowledge, the next time you come across the same problem with your pipe, what will your answer be? It'll be exactly that. Turn it, whatever, half yeah. a notch. And, and, and what happens if it's not that one? If mm. it's if it's a totally and I turn it, you know, the thing, and I over tighten it, and and uh, and I've done those sorts of things where I've done the same thing I did before unwitting yeah. to, to witless to the fact that it's a totally different problem. Now, it's, and of course, it's easy, you know, if I, you know, as I say, you know, it's uh, one bit of information is almost never the, the key or the silver bullet and people say, well, yes, of course. But we do have a, a psychological propensity to want that to happen. We yeah. have a propensity to want to grab onto that one new Fantastic sounding key piece of information that it would easy, be the silver easy board. quick one, and I th- yeah. I think because there's two things here uh, that that are just occurring to me. One is exactly that that we we want we want the key we want the we want the thing that will fix it, and of course we want the new thing. Just as, as you were saying, this is what just triggered me. Uh, we want the new thing because of course that one thing doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work because the system it 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 has an effect. But it doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily work in all cases. So therefore, we're always wanting a new thing to be the single the, the single bullet. That's why people keep marketing on that. But because it's juxtaposed against when you think in systems, when you think in the nature of the way that if you change the initial conditions, mm-hmm. if you alter the the organizing rules, you yeah. can make a small single change, which can create a cascading set of events that can have a very large effect. So I don't want to um, confuse the two things. One is just trying to get a a magic magic wand cause and effect, um, well, magic, as different from affecting the system and allowing the system to reorganise itself in in an effective way. Absolutely. And this isn't, we're not just sort of, you know, doing the theorizing here and it's all just fairly abstract. This is very practical. If we, if we really think about this, um, this is a very practical mindset to get into when it comes to dealing with people. And yes, and, and looking at people, like, for example, I just thinking of a quick case, um, uh, and I think I wrote it in the book. I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> but but obviously, one of the best things we all know this. One of the best things for depression and anxiety too, but particularly these affective disorders. But depression certainly is to go for a walk. Is to activate because this. Um, and as we talk about in the book, it activates BDNF. It it, it um, uh, yep. takes away cortisol. Does you you learn about all those sorts of elements? But to go for a walk. Um, now. You could say, they have 20 clients there and say, well, what you need to do is you need to do a 20-minute walk morning and the afternoon. 
And uh, some of them will just do that and that'll be terrific and everybody will be happy. But a lot of them won't. And I had this guy and he wasn't interested in anything. He was a, he was a pretty narky, snarky old businessy fella and he didn't like people, he didn't like anything. There were a lot of reasons why he was depressed. Um, but I wanted to get him walking because he wasn't. He was sitting all the time doing that. So I said to him, I said, you know what I, I noticed the other day? Uh, in my neighbourhood, and I, because I, I go, I go, for, you know, this walk. We talk about walking and talking things, and I, I go for a walk and letterboxes. That some people personalise their letterboxes, and mm-hmm. gee whiz, you can see how stupid they are. I mean, <laughs> fancy personalising your letterbox. What about you? You got any of those letterboxes in in your area? And he said, Oh, I don't know. Grumbled away. Came back the next week and he said, you know, I went to have a look for those letterboxes you talked about. I just thought, yeah, that's right. I found one a couple of blocks away. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what kind of idiot that bloke is, you know, trying to, you know, what's he trying to do? He's probably some, you know, and, you know, he's very critical and all the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and all I was doing was sitting there, you walked two blocks. You, you went for a walk, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> and two blocks back. Gotcha. So there's this sense of... Um, of interplay that we can do, that the magic bullet, it's just, it's a message. It's a, it's a possibility. It's something that then needs to be engaged with and experimented with and, and improvised with. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, it's a possibility. Mm. Uh, point number three, the science we consider is only materialistic, deterministic and reductionist if you believe it is. The left hemisphere loves to break things down into mechanistic, materialistic bits. And these bits, like cogs in a machine, make up and determine what the machine is. However, we're nothing like machines. We're complex systems, parts of which are intangible. And I'm thinking about, you know, the mind and the spirit, mm. for example. Mm-hmm. So this, this idea that, oh, it's, you, you guys are talking about science and that's reductionistic, that's materialistic, you know, that's deterministic. I don't want anything to do with that. That's got nothing to do with psychotherapy. Well, it is if you believe it is, um, but we don't believe it is. Well, and we've got good reason. It's good reason why people do believe it because that's what we're taught. That's the educational process. Learn how this works. Uh, uh, reduce it down. Find the elements. Uh, uh, be as objective. And when you get to university, you know, be totally objective. Get out all the outliers. Get out all the the confounding elements. And I understand it when they're trying to get a clear answer. But the the result that we found, in, as we've been re-examining the research over the the past decade, is that that a lot of the answers are not right for human beings. They're, mm-hmm. they're right yeah. for the very restricted, reduced, limited mechanistic mechanistic process. Yeah. And so, but it's a bit like, and we talk about this in music. It's a bit like when we learn piano. You know, we learned the scales, very mechanistic, very reductionistic, very much. But let's even look at other uh, things in the folklore. The 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 um, what was the one with the kung fu things? You know, wax on, wax off. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, but again, to learn, we need to make things mm-hmm. simple and straightforward and easy. But we forgot to then let go. Uh, and then it became reductionistic and limited and restrained. Well, I think as Ian McGilchrist points out, what happens is so we perceive the whole with our right hemisphere, 
then we go across to the left hemisphere to break it down into parts so we can you know understand the the parts but then that understanding comes back across to the right hemisphere which appreciates the whole yeah. and it's 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 more than a reassembling of the parts it's a it's a greater depth of knowledge of the whole so well, yeah and 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 um Prigogine, uh was right huge yeah. in the whole complexity theory stuff I mean, he said the point of differentiating, and he was doing this from a purely mathematical perspective, but the point of differentiating into the elements, because he was a, he was assuming that you understood that the emergent property, the emergent whole that you came, was not reflective. You couldn't see the elements in the whole and you couldn't see the whole in the elements, you know, the completed yeah. part in the elements. He said, but you differentiate the elements in order to explore the possibilities that are not visible while they are part of the immersion property. Mm. And so we mm. get to this word possible again. So yeah. Yeah. Francine Shapiro, who noticed that her eyes move mm. uh, uh, left and right and had a rapid eye movement, and that helped her uh, with, with the work she was doing with trauma. That's just a natural process. She noticed it. It's a part of the whole. It's a part of it. She noticed it. She explored it, she expanded it, she enriched it, which is terrific. And, of course, what we're saying is that's great. Now put it back into the system. Yeah. You know, like, like don't yeah. take the yeah. don't take out the spark plug and, and, and clean it and fix it all up, but then leave it out of the car. Put it back mm-hmm. in the engine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think it's a truism that we are more than the sum of our parts, right? Well, it, it is evident. I mean, you simply got to look at ourselves. I mean, if you look at... If you're watching on the video, can can you look at us and 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 have and see a liver? No. And if we if there was a liver on a table, could you look at a liver and see the the the, the mammal or the entity or the the living being that comes from it? Hmm. And we're not supposed to. So the elements come together, they interact, they intertwine, and they produce. I mean, you can't see the genotype, the gene, the genotype, as we look at us. But what we are, our visible thing, has been given a different word, which mm. is the phenotype. So we use a different word to describe what emerges out of the system. Yeah, yeah. Point number four, associations and correlations are more important than the decontextualized bits. We are a complexity of relationships rather than a mosaic of bits. Now, again, yeah. you know, d- d- focusing more on, on the relationship between the parts, um, and as you talk about the emergent qualities that come out of that, mm. is is far more important than what I'm calling a mosaic of bits. Yeah. I mean, if you look at uh, people uh, at a crosswalk, um, mm-hmm. you know, the zebra crossing for the various countries that you're in, but you get a whole bunch of people, and I know there's that uh, particular intersection in Japan, which is like five ways or something, and there's a mass of people. And there's so many different ways you can view that experience, the whole thing of, of the movement, the um, the shift of things coming down to the individuals, going down to the legs, and to the feet. There's all kinds of different ways you can um, find the, the the pieces, but it's the associations the mm-hmm. correlations, the connections, there's groups, uh, where people move, how they move, why they move, and most of it's intuitive. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, we have no direction. So the, the cross walking across the road is actually a perfect example of a complex self-organizing system. Yeah, um, yeah. But this thing, association and correlation, they're, they're interesting words too, aren't they, Matt? We might not be able to discern a direct, um, you know, causal relationship, um, but we might be able to see a correlation. And yeah, thing, things that happen sort of at the same time, uh, but that, not necessarily directly because of each other. Exactly, yes. Yeah. And yes. associations are things that... that um, that become engaged, but because, but not, but not directly uh, as a as a, a, a collective thing. But they are pulled right. into the system. So, and, I, I, yeah. Hmm. Again, think this is thinking more along complex um, systems thinking rather than sort of linear causal thinking. So yeah. you know. I mean, a lot of our. This is what in the chapter on emotions we talk about this that that the nature of the emotional feeling that we're having uh, can go everything from the non-conscious type of uh, uh, self-organized emotional state that hasn't that hasn't yet emerged into our consciousness, which causes our bodies to move and uh, and respond and react. But it's only when there's an association and an interaction with with um, our autobiographical memory, mm. that we begin to have a sense of emotion. And this is what Ledoux and, and Brown are talking about, that emotions have to happen to someone. And that someone is, an, is that emergent property out of the interactions of autobiographical memory and uh, uh, also biological memory. Yeah, yeah. And to sort of bring it to a really sort of stark illustration if you were dead we would still see an assembly of bits we could see you know your brain cells and all the 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 cellular bits that make up your body yeah um but the dead body is vastly different isn't it to an animated live body where everything is communicating and interacting and relating yeah, um, and when we're talking about about abstract elements and about uh, you know, things, certainly that yeah. that life, that that ability to reproduce and and, yeah. and continue. Yeah. Now, if, you know, if I I look at your live body and your, you know, I can say you're you're a body. If I look at your dead body, you're still a body. But there's something vastly different. There's something vastly different. So, and and this is true. The the, the systems within our uh, within us, and there are many, and we talk about them in the book. We we talk about the autonomous brains. I mean, certainly mm. we have the, the 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 skull brain, which is pretty you know, very autonomous and makes its own decisions. But we've got an autonomous sort of uh, neural network around the heart. We've got mm-hmm. this autonomous autonomous meaning that. Uh, it can make decisions about itself and other parts of the body independently. Mm. We have that, of course, in the enteric brain, in the, in, in the gut, and we know there's enormous connections to the brain and various things there. And also uh, one that's not talked about much, which I hope is a, a bit of a revelation, is in the skin. Mm. So, mm. yeah, this this thing of where, where uh, our connections and relationships and interrelationships are by causal, by direct, by association, and then some things that when they both happen at the same time create certain elements which are different than this correlated sort of uh, process. 
Uh, mm. So correlations aren't to be ignored, but they are to be, their differences and their separateness needs to be recognised and appreciated. And just coming to the last point here, uh, the science needs to be broadly understood and absorbed in a way that it provides a type of intuitive background in our minds, as opposed to constructing specific therapy steps based on discrete bits of scientific evidence. I've just sort of made up this, this kind of phrase, intuitive background in our mm. minds. And, and what I mean is, you know, we have a we have a broad understanding of a lot of different disciplines and sciences that kind of give us that big, broad overview. You know, yeah, and it's each of these bits of knowledge and information, and particularly when they contextualise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, certainly this uh, we can see with clients where um, we might be working on something, um, we might be working on something that that is very productive and they're just not getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then suddenly something twigs, something else in the system other than just the, 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 the magic bullet, you know, hey, here, do this. And it's actually something else that tweaks them. But then all these other things start to come into some kind of play. And we actually improvise life. The, nobody gets up in the morning, um, even though they might set up plans and projections for the day. But we, the pressures that are put on the therapeutic experience to produce certain effects at certain times because of certain actions, mm. it's just not true to life. So what we're proposing here is neither, you know, a, a quick nor easy um, thing to do, um, and that's to, you know, have an appreciation for, you know, a broad array of, you know, scientific findings about about us, about the human condition. Mm. Because um, but, it's because there's a lot, there's, there's a lot to it. But equally, we're not saying learn everything before you can do anything. No, no, no. Uh, I mean, I, I, uh, it reminds me of the story of um, uh, John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Right. And, um, and they, they, they could play a couple of chords and um, the essence of it was their talent and their capacity and their gifts were already already there. They were yeah. in place, their, their natural capacities. Uh, anyway, they heard about this guy who knew this other chord, this other guitar chord, really. And, and Paul McCartney tells the story, you know, they had to get in the bus and walk over and they find that. They eventually found this guy and said, show us the chord. And I, I can't actually remember the story off the top of my head whether it was G. I know they talked about B flat, but it was something like really fundamental. I'm thinking, seriously. <laughs> then they went back and then yep. they were able to put together uh, and then they were able to, to write a song like She Loves You, Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which um, which they weren't able to write when they didn't have that that little extra bit of knowledge, and then they go along. And I mean, one of the things which is extraordinary with 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 uh, Paul McCartney is he figured out that you could play an A flat chord in a in a song in the key of C, and that that just made a really different thing. And he thought that sounds nice. It changed yeah. music. Yeah, it changed. Well, it changed it cha- music. It, it might have changed pop music, but classical pop, composers pop had knew, knew, known that for you know a long time before the Beatles. So <laughs> that's right. I forgot. I forgot you're clever on these things. But anyway, but he figured it, he figured it out. And uh, yeah. uh, but by adding that, but there's yeah. a, there's an example. Uh, 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 Paul Simon 
talks about the classical writers, talks about yeah. going back to, to things. I was, you know, I was playing this thing by Mozart the other day and, yeah. and then, boom, out comes whatever, Bridge Over Troubled Water or something. <laughs> but this, this essence of um, the excitement of learning each piece, but what I hear you saying quite clearly as you put through these points, that these elements are fantastic but if you can contextualize them at the same time, mm-hmm. yeah, and maintain this sense of of that you're looking at it within the context of whatever uh, of whatever it is, and of course we're talking about the the biopsychosocial sort of understanding of the self meaning meaning the body, yeah. then it starts to be additional pieces in the puzzle. What we don't want is people. And what's happened is that there's like 50 jigsaw puzzles in in the the shelf, and everybody can only grab one. And the, and if they grab two, they're two totally separate puzzles. And so they're sitting there with a piece, and they go, "Does that go in that puzzle? Or does that go in that puzzle?" And what yeah. we're saying is, no, it's all the one puzzle. Yeah, absolutely. we've made a we've made a mistake. Yeah. In in dividing them up and separating them and saying that if you do this puzzle, you don't need to understand anything about any of the others. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we we already have an appreciation for the broad context, right? You know, well, this is We're our ex- alive, we're us, yeah. This is our experience of being human and experiencing other humans. You know, we mm. have this, we have the context. What we need to do is assimilate now, what were the extra things that we're learning into this into this context, which we're already aware of, and that's why in the book, and maybe next time we'll we'll talk about how we how you and I and others work with this clinically. But yeah. right through the book, there's just this constant smattering of uh, we actually box them off into a separate thing of clinical notes. Mm. This is what this is what you can do with the knowledge, or this yeah. is how the knowledge enhances what you do. Um, because that's what it's all about. That's why we call it the practitioner's guide. Yeah, uh, and, you know, when you come across the, you know, what's the practical application, <laughs> um, it, it's like, oh, that, that sort of information about, um, you know, autoimmune encephalitis, that sounded really complex, but the, the little box that we have at the end, you'll probably say, oh, well, that's easy. Yeah, just got to look makes, out for these. Makes two sense. Things. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And uh, and in fact, if you want to grab the chapter, read the clinical notes first, hmm. and then go backwards. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine too. Yeah. But now we're gonna we're getting to wind up. I think. Yeah, Matt and Susie, my lovely wife. She was reading. She was reading my book the other yesterday. Isn't she gorgeous? And there's just a quote that she said. Ah. Uh, Yeah, I like this. And if we've got a second, I'll just read this, okay? Yeah, absolutely. And it's on page 14. So we're early days of the book. And it said, an understanding of the science does not necessarily dictate a single intervention. Far from it. It informs the therapeutic process, enabling the most impactful and effective therapy to emerge from a particular therapist's reservoir of techniques and methods, or even the co-creation of a process that is uniquely attuned to the client. Beautiful. And that's the purpose of this book. Yeah. And all this fascinating knowledge that I know some people go, I don't have to know about that. And maybe you don't. Mm. Why? 
golly, it's interesting. It is. It is. It is a very interesting journey that we're all on as as psychotherapists and in the mental health world. Thanks, everybody, for joining us here on the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. And uh, yeah, Richard, we'll we'll continue to talk about uh, elements of the book and break it down for people. Um, but until next time, we'll catch you then. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. For more great science, go to the scienceofpsychotherapy.com.